She was just says she's a lesbian. Oh, okay. Because she caused. <laughs> she was a lesbian. Is no, that a I... is that a problem? <laughs> no, no, I thought maybe she was just upset because she was a lesbian. I don't know. <laughs> that did not come out right. Let's it put didn't. that out there. I thought, well, yeah, like there's nothing wrong with that. She, <laughs> just, she's I like, thought she, maybe she was not. She's like a lesbian and can't, and can't get a date, and herself. that's why she's. No, I thought she was like could get. She was dateable. From Rosemary's Baby and Reagan McNeil, to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky, to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Ann Conley. Hey, guys. And Helen Stewart. Hello. All right, tonight we are going to be reviewing the 2018 science fiction horror film Annihilation, written and directed by Alex Garland. Based on a novel of the same name by Jeff Vandermeer, it stars Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Tuva Novotny, and Oscar Isaac. The story follows a group of military scientists who enter The Shimmer, a mysterious quarantine zone of mutating landscapes and transforming creatures. All right, so before we jump into the review, typically we talk about what our expectations are going in. So, Anne, you want to give us your expectations? Candidly, I really didn't have any. I had never heard of this movie before. We talked about reviewing 2018 Annihilation starring Natalie Portman. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, great. You know, usually she does a good job. And then I saw that it actually really featured these four or five female protagonists. So I was excited about that. But other than that, I had no idea about, you know, what it was about or who who else was in it. So it was a total mystery to me. All right, Helen. I'm with Anne. I didn't know what to expect either, and I haven't really watched too many sci-fi horrors, so sci-fi is not exactly on the top of my list of things that I um, frequently watch, but I was willing to give it a go. Yeah, me too. I, I knew this movie existed, and when I saw it pop up on Hulu, I thought, well, why don't we review it? it? has Natalie Portman in it, right? So it should be good. And then I found out it has Oscar Isaac in it, and I was like, it's like Queen Amidala and Poe Dameron from Star Wars, and they're like in the same movie, so... Why don't we do that? And I know Helen's giving me a look like she doesn't understand <laughs> anything I just said. <laughs> I was like, who? Exactly. I thought that was great, too. I was like, wait a second. Poe Dameron's in this? That's crazy. Agreed. All right. And with that, uh, and let's roll the trailer. All right. Here we go. Trailer time. Action. Can you describe its form? No. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden, pining, looking up at the sky? <laughs> Why aren't you here? I gotta leave a day early. Your husband's here. Let me see him. He's extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're 
you're a biologist. He served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's beautiful. Check this out. It's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that. It's not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. Destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. A small meteor is shown making its way to Earth. The meteor crashes into the bottom of the lighthouse of Area X, releasing the DNA of an alien world and setting in motion the events of the film. At Area X, a government facility on the southern coast of the U.S., Lena, a cellular biology professor and former soldier, is in quarantine. She undergoes a debriefing about a four-month expedition into an anomalous iridescent electromagnetic field dubbed the Shimmer, of which she and her husband, Kane, are the only survivors. In a flashback, Kane, the Army Special Forces soldier, appears in their home after having disappeared on a mission nearly a year ago. He remembers nothing of that time and suddenly falls very ill. A government security force intercepts Kane's ambulance and transports him and Lena to Area X, near where the shimmer had begun to spread three years earlier. All right. This movie was really a slow burn. But did you guys like that? What did you think about the pacing? I didn't mind the pacing. I thought it was okay with this type of movie, I guess, Mm because you have no idea what's going on and you're trying to follow it through. And then it's more of an intellectual thing, so it gives you time to think about what's happening and what the impact is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I think I had to settle down into the whole flashback motif. Generally, I'm not a fan of starting at the end and going back because I like to follow things linearly. Once I kind of accepted that, um, I, I could get behind the whole slow burn idea. I will say one thing about the wiki, though. I do not agree with the releasing the DNA of an alien world. I'm not sure that is supported by the actual movie. Um, so I would strike that from the record. I know. These wikis are horrible. <laughs> So what would you say it was? Because I would have said that makes sense to me. I'm not saying it can't be that. I'm just saying that I don't think that the movie tells you it is that. Okay. Okay. So like I'm going to put this out there. I am in the science field and I work with Papper. So this. What's Papper? So Papper is the white suits. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So fun fun fact of the day. Yes. I sometimes. Yes, I have to dress up in a white suit. And now you can reenact that scene. <laughs> what really bothered me about this is she's sitting in a chair and she's in, I guess, scrub-like. Mm-hmm. Sure. With this guy who's talking to her, he has his protective equipment. Papper. Papper. <laughs> He's Dr. Strange's buddy. And then the people behind him in the same room are not wearing the face mask. So I'm like, Oh, were they not? Yeah. Oh. So they weren't fully, I don't know. If you're going to enter into an unknown thing, everyone's probably going to be wearing some pepper. That that hazmat quarantine was not fully functioning. It was not up to par. (laughs) (laughs) 
You heard it here first. Helen Stewart would not have okayed that. Not at all. Uh, I know that's really not that big of a deal, and that didn't. There's a, a couple of scientific things that bothered me throughout this movie, and we'll go through as we go through the wiki. But this was like number one, where I was like, really. Oh, that'll be great to have your view on that. I thought that the people outside the window were also in said peppers, which I thought was a bit much because I was like, aren't they behind the glass? Well, I, I feel I like that the, ma- the main guy was in a full mask. Yes. Like a full face shield right. mask, right? The other people had like, I think the... Um, Just a Tyvek suit. Yeah, and like they had like they the, the, the mouth covering. Yeah, or oh, yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, like, like the thing that everyone wears in China when they have small <laughs> the face. Yeah, the yeah. it's like a face mask, but not a respirator. So I I just felt like if you if the main guy was concerned about breathing in whatever to have his DNA mutated, if they even know that at this point, why is the rest of the people and like two feet behind him not concerned about what they're breathing in? Yeah, I didn't catch them behind him. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Minor, minor details. So I liked the very beginning of this, showing the meteor, showing the entry into um, Earth's atmosphere, and then, of course, the sort of, you know, semi-iconic, I think, for this for this movie, shot of the lighthouse, and it just comes through the lighthouse, and boom, and, it, and immediately you start to see the a little bit of shimmering around the immediate um, area of the, of the lighthouse. So I thought that was cool. I mean, it was a good way to set it up. Um, once again, generally, I'm not a fan of seeing those things outside of a character's sort of point of view because mm-hmm. it's giving you information other people don't have. It's like a narrative. Yeah, but but I can, I can accept it in, in this movie. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I feel like from the get-go, I was kind of like, oh, let's see. And then it really started drawing me in, but just to kind of circle back on the pacing, I felt it was a little snoozy. I felt it was like a little slow. I mean, there was definitely a lot of really cool elements in this. And I thought the story was good. I thought like, we'll get into all the good stuff too. But I did feel like, and maybe it was also just that I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like for me on this, on the dial of like, you know, one to 10. And you guys know, I like slow burns. I I love like English Patient, which is probably one of the slowest movies, you know, on the face of the planet. But um, yeah, I felt like this could have just, I don't know, it could have been... A little bit faster. Well, I feel like one of the things that the narrative, the movie did through its narrative is it it kept a focus really tightly on um, Lena's, I guess, emotional state and her point of view within the movie. I mean, if you notice, like, you don't see much of the school, uh, Johns Hopkins, where she works, like where she's a professor. Like, you don't really see much of that except what she sees, and it's almost like only the parts that she's paying attention to, like you get like the the other professor um, who wants her to come over to the party, um, and then you get like the one student that talks to her on the way down the stairs. You don't get much of that. And like then she's in her house, and you get a little bit of that, and then Kane shows up. You know what I mean? And even when she's at the – what's it? Southern Reach or whatever the – Area X, whatever the place is called, like you don't get – she doesn't really seem to talk to anybody except for Dr. Ventress at the beginning. And she's a psychologist. Like she's not in charge, is she? You never see any of the people in charge, none of the command structure of this place, mm-hmm. nothing except for this one doctor she talks to. And then the team, of course, which um, the one character comes up and introduces herself. So I feel like that's the scope of the sort of narrative of this movie. And so I think that reinforces the sort of um, 
slow burn and also somewhat claustrophobic feel of what's going on. It's so interesting you say that. You took the word totally right out of my mouth because I actually even woke up the next morning feeling claustrophobic. And I was like, you know, was it a result of you know my four-year-old being in my face all night? Or <laughs> was it I really felt like this movie gave you a lot to think about? which I thought was one thing I really liked about it. Yeah, I would have liked for it to be a little bit faster. And I think part of that might also be because it's based on a book, which I didn't know at first. And, you know, uh, I think we heard the director talk a little off screen about, direct, you know, pulling it into a book. And it's really kind of an atypical plot. So it's not your standard movie, right? The, uh, you know, one, two, three, you know, standard horror punch type of thing. Um, so I can understand that maybe as Americans, we're used to very formulaic kind of movies. And that could have affected my enjoyment slash pacing of it. But yeah, there, you know, when you think about as we're talking, what was, what was the alien crash type of thing? You know, what did that mean? And what's it trying to do? And what was the meta message of this whole movie? I thought it was really kind of philosophical and I enjoyed all that. Yeah, a couple things in this section that I, that I noticed or have questions about. Like the one thing is I immediately honed in on the water. The glass of water as like the theme, that the refraction of light through water is really, I think, what they were going for more than the sort of water as an element, um, which kind of shows up in various at various times throughout the movie. Specifically, of course, with Kane when he's in the kitchen, and then her also when she's in the interrogation, um, lockdown interrogation room. So I feel like leading back into what you were saying, where they're kind of like it's her who what the character she ran into. I think it led to like the sense of isolation, which I think is throughout the movie mm -hmm. as well. But I felt like it kind of impacted the relationships that you were seeing. I had a hard time believing Natalie Portman and the other dude, her husband. I Kane. Can't remember. Kane, mm -hmm. yes. Kane's relationship. I didn't buy it. I oh, also really? didn't buy her. Uh, and maybe because I wasn't a Star Wars watcher of these people. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, ooh, I don't know if they're in a relationship in that movie, but they're um, not even in the same movies. So. Um, they're, 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 they're not even the same decades of actual time within the Star Oopsie. Wars movies, but that's I'll, okay. You can edit that out if you want. But, but um, to your point, you kind of have an affinity for those people and their you know, proxy characters. Right. I, I didn't believe that relationship. I didn't buy it. And I didn't buy the fact that this tiny little Natalie Portman is in the military and can hold a gun. Like, I felt like she had difficulty carrying the fake weapon throughout the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I agree with... I, I think she handled the weapon pretty well myself. I mean, I understand the size thing, but, um, you know, I was in the military. I wasn't in the Army. I was in the Air Force. But, you know, there are small girls out there. They're tough. You know what I mean? It is what it is. But, but to your point about the relationship, I think that her relationship with, with Kane was, I think, specifically hard to get into because... Part of the narrative there was the deconstruction or self-destruction of their marriage, both through her affair and also his job being away all the time and not being able to talk. I mean, the the um the other professor said it to her. He's like, you can't you can't talk about what you do because he doesn't really understand it, and he can't talk about what he does because it's top secret. So you know, you spend more time away from him than with him. So I think that. It, in some level, it was them really trying to make it work, but not 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 working. Yeah, just from the emotional state, I didn't like the whole the way that they approached the affair and revealed that, and then didn't give you really enough details to understand all that much about it. I mean, to your point, Ray, those were you know 
just single sentence sound bites that they put in there. They certainly didn't do a lot of work to reinforce it or build it up or let you know, you know, how long this had been going on or, you know, they kind of talk, talk about, you know, did Poe did Dameron know <laughs> or whatnot? And, you know, she says yes, but you never really see that instance of where, how he found out or where he found out. So they really streamline a lot of sort of the telenovela type of stuff. You know, this is really, I thought that was interesting as well. When we talk about the emotional state, it was so superficial all throughout it. You know, like uh, when we talked on, you know, Haunting of Hill House with, um, what's her name with the T, Theo, building up those walls. I kind of felt that she was very much like that, that she had built up these emotional walls for one way or another. And we didn't really know why. You know, I got the sense that you're getting all of this story through her telling the story post being in the shimmer post all that stuff and i get the sense that in some ways we may be seeing um a schizophrenic memory right things that she's remembering that are disconnected from other things potentially or you know she's been reconfigured in some way they mention i think uh dr ventress in the movie later on mentions the onset of like dementia like they're mm-hmm. being they're unraveling. being affected they're unraveling and i wonder if in some ways her memories have unraveled to some point so she's just kind of telling what she remembers which gives us a skewed view of what's going on that's fair that would be really interesting i could see that's something that would come up in the book you know that's something where uh, again and i've said this before like a standard movie script they're usually not all that advanced but coming from a book i'd give them credit i believe that could happen so i have some information about the book differences to the movie and basically everything is different oh <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure that the uh the book is actually a good reference for for um for the movie but but anyway, yeah, so anything else in this section that's um, interesting? The only thing to your point, Ray, about the water, I loved that glass scene. And Helen, I don't know what you thought even just, you know, as a scientist, how you really interpreted that. But, um, you know, Ray really picked up more on the water quality and the refracting. And to me, it was the mirroring and how it was reversed, right? So the reflection through the glass or when you look at a spoon and your reflection is upside down. And I was like, oh, I love how they're doing this. And at the same time, I had this extremely creepy factor mm-hmm. to it as she's rubbing his hand and you see her fingers moving back and forth. I got incredibly like uncomfortable towards the end of that. And I feel like, you know, to me, that was sort of two, uh, two hidden messages there. One was, of course, with the mutations. So the idea that you see it in a skewed way, it's mirrored. So it's almost, right, it's backwards type of thing. Later on, you know, we have the humanoid mirroring her as well. But also I felt like this fingers look like the intestines that we see mm, later on. Right. And I was and I was really uneasy with that effect with the glass. And then you see it later and I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I don't know if they meant to do it that way, but it, yeah. I definitely kind felt with their themes, like you're saying with the water. And I didn't pick up the fingers with the intestines, but now that you say that, I see it. Mm. Um, with the age issue and the dementia and how her lecture is about cells and how aging is probably not the way that it's supposed to happen, that that's a defect in the genetic makeup of things. Like there was, I think they were very pretty forward with all of their themes. It wasn't like you had to guess too much about it, but I think you had to still think it all through to see what it actually meant throughout the movie, Mm -hmm. like tying them all together. Yeah. The other interesting thing about the scene with them in the kitchen with a a glass of water is, and I watched this movie twice. The second time, of course, I know that she's had an affair and I know that she thinks he knows about it. So realistically, him showing up after being gone for a year and him being like very distant and vacant, like I was watching her performance to see if I could read into that, that she thought it was because of the affair. Because 
that him leaving for the last time was kind of like him being stoic and her attributing it, I think, to the affair. Uh, and I don't know that I picked up on it all that much. I mean, she was kind of aggressive to him when he first showed up, and mm-hmm. she's like, why can't you tell me anything, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I thought that when she was rubbing his hand, like, kind of like, is she thinking that he's mad at her for the affair still? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always fun when you get to watch a movie a second time, like when we watched Scream, and, you know, you actually knew who the killers were and could read a little bit more into it. That's really cool to kind of get, like, a second look perspective. Psychologist Dr. Ventress explains that military teams, including Kane's, have ventured into the Shimmer to attempt to reach the lighthouse where the phenomenon first appeared. Kane is the only person to have ever returned from an expedition. Lena volunteers to join Ventress on a research expedition consisting of two scientists, Josie and Cassie, and a paramedic, Anya. On the expedition, guidance technology fails, the expedition members realize they are unable to remember extended stretches of time, and a mutated alligator attacks Josie. The team rescues Josie and learns that the alligator shows signs of being hybridized with a shark. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the time dilation at the beginning. So they go into the shimmer, and they immediately lose like four days. Right. Now, I have a little tidbit from the book in that regard. So apparently, in the book, Dr. Ventress is hypnotizing all of them. Oh, awesome. Really? To control them. So the book has a lot more to <laughs> do with Southern Reach and like the command structure and like the internal politics of that that than it does equally to the characters. The characters apparently in the book don't even have names. Right. They're just referenced by their job. Mm. And I think they and, don't even have a description. And they don't have a gender. Right. Until um, the second book, I hear. Yeah, I don't know about the so second they book. I just... miscast, I believe... Um, the several of the main characters because they actually were more diverse in the second book. Yeah, well, I had read that. So they they started making this movie or writing or casting, I think, um, this movie before the book was actually out. The first book was even out, and there's a reference in that book to the Asian ancestry of um, Natalie, Lee, Portman, uh, Natalie yeah. Portman's character Lena. So there was some whatever scuttlebutt about that. Um, but yeah, so apparently this like four day, you know, time lapse is a a callback to that sort of like her hypnotizing them and, and being able why? to. I don't, like, I don't know to control them. I think there's a control agenda in there uh, somewhere. I don't really know. Um, but if you'll notice in, in the movie, she's the only one that doesn't seem fa- phased by or concerned by the time lapse. So maybe she was controlling them even then. I don't know. I, I could not stand the way she talked. I don't, I don't remember her talking like this. In other films, but then as we were talking offline, we can't really remember what other films that we've seen that she's in. But, like, her draw was like, are you really a psychologist or a psychiatrist? I can't remember. What what does it say? She's a psychologist. Like, I I just, like, I didn't buy it. Uh, I love the way that she talked. I I think Uh. that's her character. That's her shtick. I've definitely heard her talk that way. She's just got that low, that kind of. We are gonna go into the shimmer. And she was messed up, anyways. Like they she said, was, like yeah. da- damaged goods. So having that really just like dry, low, matter of fact. Yeah, it was one of those. It grew on me. Right at first, you're like, oh, this is so annoying. And then, you know, it being her character, I like that she just said something so different. So what's more annoying with Doctor Ventress? Her voice, which I agree, or her constant picking at her hands in in like rubbing her fingers together and rubbing her, you know, hand, fingers with another hand. She does that constantly so in the movie. So there, there may be, so we know she has cancer at some point. We find out she has terminal cancer. 
there are medications that cause neuropathy. So that might be her having to deal with that. Not that I'm justifying this, but that's just a little tidbit that I know that she might be playing with her. (laughs) Don't feel bad. Um, But I can see like that's why you would do that because you get that numbness, that tingling, and then you're kind of just trying to... Yeah. Okay, so voice it is. That's why she's annoying. Yeah, we, and, we and hear her voice. I didn't notice that at all. Did you, Helen? The whole finger thing? No, I didn't, but I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I, I know- thought for sure you were going to say, or that she's named after another Star Wars character. Well, is that's she? that's cool. But I'm missing out on so <laughs> much. <laughs> Star Wars was all over this. Darth Vader is going to show up at the end and show them what's up. That was actually his pod, and <laughs> we're all going to be Darth Vader uh, <laughs> clones yeah. in the next century. Um, yeah, Ventress is a character in Star Wars as well. Oh, yeah. but, not, but not the movies. But not the movies. Wait, so not in, in, the car- in the cartoons. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> okay. Didn't know there were cartoons, but I mean, moving on. There's like a Lego movie, right? No? Yeah, there uh, is. Okay. Oh, Star Wars Lego movie? I haven't seen that yes, one either, but I just too. felt proud that I did. <laughs> so the alligator attack, which I think is the main piece of this section of the movie. Um, and I enjoyed immensely myself. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of it? I thought it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I know. I like wanted to like it more. Um, so I thought one of the things that they really sold short that I wish they would have spent more time in was the sunken house. So you get up there and you have this kind of like wonky halfway sunken trailer house type of thing on the swamp. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Is it really sunken or is that just the angle or what's going on there? I felt like that was a cool trick of the camera. But then when Josie's, you know, nabbed and pulled back in there, then they have to go in there and get her. I just felt like they were in there for 20 seconds. Like it was so short. It felt like to me, I didn't feel like you got a good idea of, you know, what was going on inside that house. And I didn't feel like there was enough panic or enough suspense. Now, I I would kind of agree with you on that. I mean, they have this, this building, which is the only building you've seen so far in the Shimmer. And they spend very little time there. They spend a lot of time next to the boats, kind of outstaged next to the water, which, I mean, makes sense in the way the alligator kind of moves moves through. But I could have for, I could have seen a different way of shooting that where you see the alligator potentially in the, in, in the building or, or something. But they wanted to leave the reveal, which, by the way, um, the documentary, there's a documentary on YouTube, an official documentary for this movie. It shows a lot of behind-the-scenes um, and effects uh, creation shots. And where the alligator comes out of the building and, and slips into the water, when I was watching it, I was wondering, like, how do they do the water ripples? Because the water ripples look really real. It's because they are real. They created a big silicone alligator, and they pulled it through the hole into the water, and then they replaced it with a CGI alligator. And that gave you the real effect of the water ripples because yeah. they're real. I have to say, like, building up to this scene, you're sitting there watching them as they're walking through the shimmer. And it was this, it was really a beautiful, creepy mm-hmm. um, atmosphere. And I just, I thought that that was kind of just, it gave, the environment was really pleasing to the eye. I thought that the shark, alligator, albino monster. <laughs> right. Not really sure what we could call him. Um, was it was really neat the whole tea thing. However, I was very curious. She's collecting these samples. What happened to the samples, man? Like she leaves her backpack on the beach at the end, and I'm like, you're forgetting your scientific samples. Yeah, well, I, I, we don't really know. Funny enough, I was wondering the exact same thing. You're just like, where are the samples? And where are you putting these? And how are you storing them? And yeah, that whole. I mean, right. obviously we're nerds, so we're concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that they actually showed her doing what her job would be, even right. though ultimately it's pointless, right? Oh, the other thing I would say is, do you know where they actually shot those scenes with the alligator? Do you know where they were? No. 
they were not in the United States. They were not in the bayou. They were actually in Windsor Park, basically a couple miles away from Windsor Castle where the queen lives. Really? Yeah. So she could look out her window and see Annihilation being filmed. Yep. Stones throw away from London. Uh, basically wonder what Amazing. she thinks about it all yeah i mean what they ended up doing was she was like is that an albino crocodile <laughs> <laughs> go grab me a spot of tea jeeves i need to check this out <laughs> <laughs> yeah what they ended up doing was they ended up just covering the trees in like fake spanish moss and building um shipped in fresh from the bayou yeah i guess yeah <laughs> and building fake trees um the what are the trees called that are in the swamp? Swamp trees. We'll go with, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with swamp trees. I should know this. But anyway. Um, mangroves. Not mangroves. They're the ones that go up real tall. Anyway. Um, <laughs> they Building fake versions of those and putting them in the water. You know what I mean? And, uh-huh. and then kind of just doing the CGI at the tops. Did it say how long they filmed for? I don't know. Just out of curiosity. I don't know how long they filmed their... I think they said that alligator in the house scene was two days. Just really? that. Just the in the house scene. For all like 30 seconds, seconds of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, jeez. No, takes a long time. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of shots, which is why I was like, that didn't pay off. You know, those poor actresses. I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong. And I love the idea that you didn't know what it was. That was good. That was really yeah. good. And then you finally see the alligator come out. So that was cool. But yeah, yeah, I didn't love that. But yeah, I love that, you know, Natalie Portman going all badass, shooting that gator right in the face. <laughs> Take yes, it, she did. Yeah. Taking it down. Yeah, that I, was good. I appreciate the fact that the gator's going after the two girls in front of in in front of it, and she fires one shot to get its attention, so it turns and then it unloads inside of its mouth basically and kills it. That was pretty good. Yeah, you're definitely like, what the? Where did that come from? So I appreciate and what is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I appreciate that the other girls were like, how did you learn how to shoot? And then she's like, oh, I was in the military for seven years. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And I thought it was like a good reveal onto what's actually happening within there because I think that's really kind of where they start to put together like all this genetic morphing. Yes, between the flowers and the gator. Yeah, you're kind of like, uh-huh. Right. Well, right away when yeah, they see the flowers and she's like, these are all in one strand. Right. Although I will say scientifically, that was one other thing that bothered me because I totally understand that it could mutate, you know, along a vine type of thing. But those flowers look so drastically different from right. one another. Did that bother you too? Um, She said it was like, I think she specifically called it out as being, they look like these are completely different species. So I was like, it didn't bother me so much because she like then says it's weird. Yeah. But I didn't think her reaction was enough for me to be like... I did not like that you had like flocks next to orchids. Yeah. I was like, what that are these orchids bu- doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that. But what I will say just tangentially, um, later when they get to the compound coming up here in a second, the director, who you know, whomever you know made this call, I'm just really impressed at their consistency through the movie as they're going through the gate and they've just talked about this mutation. You will see the flower vines on the gate. They're like these little white daisies. And even the CGI that they do, or if it's actually practical effects, they make each of those slightly different, even on this gate that they go through. So that was really impressive. At an abandoned military base, the team discovers evidence of Kane's expedition along with a memory card left for them. A video on the card shows Kane cutting open the stomach of a fellow expedition member while he was still alive, revealing that his intestines have begun to wriggle in a snake-like manner. That night, the base's perimeter fence is torn open, prompting the expedition to investigate. Suddenly, a mutated bear drags Cassie away. The following morning, the team finds one of her boots containing a shorn ankle and foot. 
Lena searches further alone and discovers Cassie's mutilated corpse. Okay, so, you know, of course, one of the most graphic scenes in this whole movie is cutting the stomach open, right? Yeah. So, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, whoa, that took that up a notch. <laughs> you know, suddenly, let's flip on this camcorder. I love the camcorders, by the way. Again, like, sort of 80s nostalgia. I know they're still around today, but for whatever reason, <laughs> they're still so, like, nostalgic. Flip that sucker open, and uh, there's your husband cutting somebody's stomach open. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, no doubt. And I thought the effect was... It was gross, man. And and that's actually a practical effect. I'm sure it's augmented with CGI, but apparently they made a fake kind of torso thing that went over top of the actor's torso, and they actually cut it open, and they had these tubes, which kind of went like around the guy's um, stomach, and then in the back of the wall, there were people holding them and like moving them so that they would look like they were kind of wriggling mm, intestine that's tubes. impressive yeah yeah, yeah. intestine tubes. <laughs> yeah intestine tubes yeah so it's gross it's gross yeah that was it was disturbing um i kind of expected him to be more in pain or screaming from that but he seemed out of it so i don't know what was going on if they had some sort of medication that they were sedating him but he was just being held down by the one guy and then the other guy's like here i'm gonna let me show you as i cut this square out to show you the intestines yeah i mean as being two women who have gone through the birthing process no way yeah right he's like that's it he was like that's enough that's enough or something you're like okay dude yeah after he gets your entire stomach panel is missing you're like i'm good i'm good stop there (laughs) yeah but i I like that i thought that was intense you know all of a sudden we're we're definitely kicking like the gore up and up a notch which you know to that point had really been suspenseful and academic and you know, again with the sci-fi, so so that was that was intense. Yeah, and then they go from there into the to the actual location where they did it, and the guy is still there, and now he's turned into some crazy flower bacteria stuff. It looked like so looking at that, and I, it just looked more fungal like to me, where it had mm-hmm. like the 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 fronds of or the, I don't know, like lichens. And yeah, so moss. it's just kind of like spread out like that, like it was more of a fungus because it, it did it like separate the body or mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. So I was like trying to figure out if it was the two guys, like the guy in the chair who was getting his stomach ripped open, and the other guy who was holding him down. Like whatever happened to that dude? Yeah, we don't know what happens to the other ones unless they're supposed to be the guys at the very end whose skulls are kind of sitting. Oh uh, yeah. I but there were so many that. teams sent in. Yeah, I agree. Right. We you don't flower know. people. But, we don't, yeah. But I do think that that represents the one guy. His torso just kind of like... spread out. D- okay. Like blossomed out and then his skull's at the top or whatever. And did anybody notice the uh, figure eight snake eating its tail tattoo that he has? No. Yep. He has the tattoo that she gets later on. But she's... Well, at this point in the movie, of course, she has the bruising that she thinks from the alligator. But it's right. like the... The tattoo of forming, I think. Also, Anya, who doesn't have the tattoo, has the tattoo at this point in the movie, too. That's what I was going to say. Anya gets it first because I thought that she was getting it from Anya, like her girl pack, which all, also we didn't call out. They're totally like the Ghostbusters pack, yeah. right? Yeah, Scientific yeah. women. They're going in with their backpacks. Yeah. They got the little like rolls in the back. I was like, here we go. Ghostbusters squad at again. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. That effect of the guy. And then like the, the jaw fragmented, even the skeleton yep. pulled slightly apart. Although I will say I'm with Helen at first. I was like, is that supposed to be two separate dudes? It, it wasn't 100% like it was. But I like, you know, if you accept the fact that it was one guy, symbolically it was very cool. Right. right. 
like the mutations and nature pulling it apart and returning it to nature. And to your point, right, like blossoming out of, you know, the innards essentially was interesting. So not to sit here and say something stupid, but we're here. We know that the woman woman's the one woman says that um, it's like a prism. What if, you know, with the alien philosophy of tinfoil, what if they all went in with tinfoil? Oh, I see. Could yeah. It, it, it would it reflect, just reflect, reflect it all back shimmer. out. Yeah. 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 I don't I know. I felt like they could have prepped a little bit better than just walking in with just their uniforms. Like I would have thought because they come back and they are looking at the, the husband that maybe they would wear a papper in there. But okay. They thank could you. have worn a tinfoil Can outfit. we talk about that for a second? The total lack of preparation. Right. Yeah. And, and I would be like, at this point, you said they've sent what, 10 teams in, did they say? I don't recall. Over I knew years. it was like a lot. Yeah. It was like three years, 10 teams or something like that. And I'm like, at this point, you're not tethering these freaking people. Mm-hmm. What the? Poor. Poor execution military. So, <laughs> so I think this is actually where, this is a translation error from the book to the movie. Because apparently in the book, the actual kind of shimmer boundary it can only be crossed in this one little spot where they send people through and it and it it's a hole in the shimmer and it m- kind of changes shape so they can't send vehicles through it and apparently if they try to send vehicles through the vehicles like disappear or disintegrate yeah. and the people can only get sometimes they crawl have to crawl through because it's so small sometimes it's big enough for them to walk through but it also solves a plot hole in this movie which is if it was quicker to get to the lighthouse from the beach perimeter, why didn't they just go in there instead of going in at the southern reach? Like, why didn't they go down to the to the beach and then just walk in there since it's closer? So, like, I feel like this is the book being smarter, and they just kind of didn't couldn't didn't yeah, pay it pay it justice in to the movie. relay it to the audience that way. Yeah. That makes sense. It's not that they, you know, didn't allow that. They just didn't address it directly, to your point. I mean, that could have theoretically still been existing, right? They didn't specifically address it, but... Well, it kind of, that's true, but they they say that they can leave from the beach. Like, that's their whole plan. Like, get to the bottom and go and leave. Oh, and that's un- true. And unless, you know, Natalie Portman knows... Her character knows something that the other two women don't, and they've been there a whole lot longer... And they, they can't get out that way, then one would assume that it's a very porous boundary that anybody can walk in and out of. Yeah, and I, I did think the same thing about like an airstrike. Like, why wouldn't you just fly them over and drop them in? Right. A- apparently, the shimmer goes all the way into the stratosphere higher than we can. And well, it also goes down underneath the ground farther than we can dig. I don't know. It's the book. Oh, farther than we can dig. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Right, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> but to your point, right, like in this reality where that wasn't super clear, you're kind of like, well, Sure, it's refracting or whatever. Why don't you just fly over? Well, it's, yeah. it, it's also interesting because when Ventress is explaining it, she specifically does not say air. She says land and sea, and she doesn't say by air, which I thought was interesting that they left out because um, usually you hear all three together. And also like, yeah, why wouldn't you just fly over? Why, right. why would you just parachute in? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even if you had to go above the stratosphere. Like why at this point, like they're the military. Why aren't they going to space, coming all down? Like how far does this go up? Is it an alien force? Is it connecting? Uh, what's the thing in um, – Thor, the rainbow rails. Oh yeah, the rainbow bridge. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's called, but yep. Oh man, I thought for sure you'd have that. Nope. Yeah, is it creating one of those like dimensional connectivities with another planet? I mean, who knows? You're yep. not out there looking no, in space. Go no, check it's it true. out. Yeah, you don't know. Uh, but so back to the actual movie. Um, <laughs> it's this point at which I think, obviously, characters have to make mistakes. 
And the tactical mistake, the big mistake that they make at this point is they're smart. They go up into the watchtower and then Ventress is stupid because she leaves the watchtower and goes down to the ground level to the guard shack and stays down there. And that's where the bear comes out. And then, of course, Lena's there with her looking at the map or whatever. And then the other woman follows them down after hearing the bear. Oh, my God. Like, the very first thing everyone should have done is get back to the guard tower and get up the stairs. That whole thing, up it annoyed me a little bit because... A little bit? Yeah, but I, I can understand why in the moment that it would work out that way. After, of course, Ventress makes the original sin of being down there in the first place but it annoyed me no i can't even talk about it It upset me so much it was so stupid they were all stupid you're you're in an elevated guard shack why are you not guarding from the guard shack i just didn't think that they were actually really prepared military people that they just were i just feel like that's human instinct Oh, there, there's some weird noise down there. Let me rush down yeah, there and who see what's actually going on. investigates no, what weird noises. You're right. No, they are down there. I'm going to be like, I'm guarding. Hide. You stay up there. You need a different perspective to shoot whatever else might be coming from any. I just thought, I don't know, maybe my like human instinct range is much higher than these scientists. <laughs> Your self-preservation. Maybe. Yes. But they were damaged good. So maybe their self-preservation was decreased. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we know that they use the guard shack specifically because it's safe in elevation. And I think we know Lena goes out looking for Ventress and initially looks for her outside the guard shack up high. Right. And only she's looking around. Then she sees the light. So obviously Ventress is deviating from the guard plan. Right. At that point, is that when she says she has like this dementia-like feeling? No, that's later that's on. That's later? Because yep. I'm like, but maybe she's mm-hmm. getting some effects and that's why she's making stupid decisions. Well, it's so the bear can attack. That too. Narratively. But I mean, there are, there <laughs> right. are like, yeah. You know so I mean? we can get to the next action scene. Now, now, what would have been cool, and this would have kind of a little bit spoiler for the bear, but if they would have heard somebody like calling for help yeah. somebody, and, and would have went, went to down to investigate yeah. and then the bear attacked them and you wouldn't know right. that there wasn't somebody else out there and then later on would it would be have cool. been see that would have see, I that just, I just solved all the problems right you now you did director's re-edit I boom. like that <laughs> boom they could toss that back in there they could sure. splice that in sure why not and I felt bad for Shepard she's the one who gets taken away I believe her name is Shepard yes yep. I know like, she was like one of my favorite characters right. and, and she's her poor daughter was like so like there was an overarching theme of cancer too which obviously this alien form possibly is acting like a cancer Mm -hmm. her daughter died of leukemia ventress has cancer there's so much cancer going on in this movie yeah um but yeah i felt really really sad to see her go but uh, they had to leave the crazy other chick josie right of course oh yeah they're both crazy in different ways yeah but it's just like i didn't feel like because they said they're damaged goods and they give you the sob story the only one i really felt bad about was shepherd yeah all the other ones was like all right yeah so you you're super smart, but you cut yourself. Like, yeah, sucks. You. But like, I, it's not something that I felt really strongly about. And then, he, who? What was Anya's issue? She was Just an alcoholic. She's a lesbian. Oh, okay. Because she caused. <laughs> Did she was a lesbian? <laughs> Is that, a, I, is that a problem? No, no, I thought maybe she was just upset because she was a lesbian. I don't know. <laughs> that did not come out right. Let's it put didn't. that out there. I thought, well, yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. She, <laughs> just, she's I like, thought she, maybe she was not She's like a lesbian and can't, and can't get a date, and that's why she's... No, I thought she was, like, could get... She was dateable. You just sure. keep digging that hole, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, can we edit all that out? Somebody's going to think I'm a hater. I don't no, no, hate. I, I, feel, I, I feel a cold so open she was coming a, on. She, okay, so she was an alcoholic. I could totally miss that. <laughs> they said she the was like within, uh, she was in withdrawal and she was like dry now. Like they said it's super fast. Oh, okay. There wasn't much in it. Was that it. when they, did, they didn't, she was the one who introduced herself to. Yes. Um. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman first. I keep wanting to call them by their actresses' names. And, and Shepard's the one who went through like one, two, three. Like that's what's going on with them. She said it so quickly, right? Yep. Yeah. So the whole time you're kind of like, oh, she's still in withdrawal. No, yeah, she's just an addict. So she just wants to drink the whole time basically. But I really did feel like I was laughing because I felt like they did that mechanism that you see a lot of times, especially in reality TV where they do that interview. They focus on the one person and do their life story and everything. Right before they're killed off. Right. Absolutely. You could totally feel it coming on too. You're like, no, don't do it. Yeah. I have to say of, of all the narrative constructs of the movie, that annoyed me the most because it seemed the most pedestrian. Mm. Like I was like, man, you couldn't have done something else to, to, to kind of even out the, the story of the other um, characters. You had to like bunch it all in so that we'll get it right before they die. Cause it's just, it was way too predictable. Yeah, I just felt like whatever the stories were that they were trying to tell to make you attached to a character just didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The other two characters didn't have much. I mean, she cut herself. That was whatever. And the other chick was an alcoholic. I was like, eh, okay. And I was really hoping that the physicist was going to have more to say besides just the prison thing. I was like, this could be, she could bring some really interesting things to this. But she really just said that and that was it. I agree. And corrects the biological code, which, you know, our girl Natalie Portman should have been doing in the first place. But that's all right. She was too busy looking at the shiny cells. (laughs) Shimmer shells. Shimmer cells. Shimmer cells. Shimmer shells. Say say that three times fast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And pining over her husband. Yes. Or Dan. Who knows? Dale? Dan? Kane? Uh, the the fair guy. I know her husband's name is Kane. Yeah, like, what what, what movie are we, are we talking, talking about? about? <laughs> um, yeah, P- so Peter like, Bankman. What? When they first show the affair, I said, "Dude, is that Dan?" And then because it was so fast, that first clip. I don't know if you picked up on that. And then like the second time, I was like, "That's Dan." Yeah. I didn't I didn't the, like that either. The professor. Yeah. yeah. Dan. I'm pretty sure it's Dan. Yes. I think you're right. I think they said his name once. I'm. And really I'm, impressed you got that one. One that I wrote down. <laughs> I think you got that name right. Long time to figure out everybody <laughs> else's name. Oh, too funny. As the team continues toward the lighthouse at the center of the Shimmer, they find a decayed settlement with human-shaped plants outside. Josie says she thinks the Shimmer is acting on organisms in a manner of a prism, distorting and refracting DNA in the same way that a prism refracts light. The expedition members realize they are slowly changing as well. That night, Anya descends into a psychotic state, attacking and restraining the other team members. As she is threatening them, Anya hears what sounds like Cassie crying for help outside and investigates. The bear that killed Cassie enters the house, its war imitating Cassie's dying screams. It kills Anya and attacks Lena before Josie shoots it dead. Ventress leaves Lena and Josie behind and sets out to complete the journey while she still can. Josie muses that she doesn't want to continue and begins to grow flowers from her body. She walks away from Lena and disappears among the human-shaped plants. Okay. So the bear scene. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Best scene of the movie? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it would be up there. Yeah. You'll have to tell us if we get to another one that was your favorite. Yeah, I'm trying to like, think of what it. it would be. But I mean, like... some of the last scenes were really no, good. I, yeah. No, I have to be but... honest with you. I thought the bear, the whole concept of the bear mimicking her dying screams 
was pretty terrifying. Yeah. Like sh- straight up. I mean, this points. I'm adding points onto mm-hmm. this movie as I'm like experiencing this scene. Your stock is rising, number two. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the concept psychologically was so great. Um, although I did find myself giggling in this scene a little bit. There was something about it, just I think as like it went around and um, I can't remember what exactly happened, but at some point it was just so ludicrous. I did like laugh a little bit. Um, but overall, I thought it was very terrifying with like the human skull kind of like growing out of the side of the bear's head. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, does this, is this thing really ingesting, you know, the bodies that it kills type of thing? And when we saw Shepard's body, the way I interpreted it was, you know, her neck was ripped out. He didn't eat the whole body, which I thought was interesting. So d- does he eat the vocal cords was oh. the way I thought about it. And then he can mimic the voices. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I got the I – di- I do think that the concept of the mimicking of the talking and the idea that there's DNA splicing is two kind of things that aren't really related, but they kind of try to make it work. Like the idea that he would take some of her DNA and, I don't know, her skull would show up in his body somewhere wouldn't mean that he would be able to speak like her. Like I just don't think that that's or, – or be able to form words if – you know what I mean? Right. It seems like a much more spiritual thing than... It's almost like the DNA that he consumed was only able to give him, and I'm calling the bear him, the ability to just mimic what it was that he saw. So it wasn't like he took on her the ability to speak. He could only do the help me. Like like a parrot. Just like the stereoisomer part of the doppelganger. You know, like it was only what they saw that they could mimic. His name's Dexter, by the way. The Dexter the Bear? Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in the documentary, they named him Dexter. Oh. <laughs> but I also thought it was interesting that with all these mutations, that everything that was probably more civilized three years before was so overrun with nature. You got an alligator, shark thing. So obviously it ran into a shark at some point. Sharkinator. Sharkinator. The albino sharkinator. <laughs> <laughs> the humanoid bear guy. Right? Yeah. Like, so, yep. like, you're just like, but they're not things that you would necessarily think that you would see them all together. Right. Yeah. Well, well I don't think it, that... it, it was a little all over the place, but I thought it was kind of in a cool way because, again, it was the idea of, you know, the mutant strand and what it could do. And in some ways, it went really good. And right. In some ways, it went really bad. You know, the beautiful deer that we saw with the really cool antlers, I know, all the way down to this sort of de- decrepit, decaying type of bear. But I did wonder, like, what's happening with that? Is he breaking down? Or is this another evolution? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get the sense, except for with the bear, that there needed to be physicality involved to transfer the DNA. Like, I didn't get the impression that, like, with the plants growing in human form, like, that plant had to, like, contact human DNA to become... It was almost the prism was refracting and changing the DNA within the Mm three-dimensional bubble that was the, the... the shimmer so everything know, was connected yeah everything was connected so shark it's out in the ocean so sh- it's it's mutating sharks it's mutating sharknator you know exactly and i <laughs> i'd hate to be the shark that got mutated in half of a bear out in the ocean but you know i'm sure that all that stuff was happening right um so the prism won't allow it yeah i guess not maybe not but the interesting <laughs> thing about it though is that the bear with the bear specifically they kind of make you think that, that that's true you know his proximity to her when she was dying gave him the ability to speak like her like i don't think i necessarily right. think what they did with the bear actually fits the whole motif of the rest of the movie but it was freaking scary to me 
Yeah. I guess I was thinking more if I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not a geneticist, but like when you take the gene, so like he takes he consumes part of Shepherd or Cassie or whatever her name is. So like that's like inserting like he, whatever piece of that DNA got inserted into their genes. Yeah, I understand that. And I and But that had to have that contact. Well or else it, the DNA couldn't have inserted. But I think with the bear that makes some sense, but like the alligator, they're near an ocean. No, I get that. But the guy turns into a plant. <laughs> the guy turns into plants. He has wriggling intestines. Like the, the plants that are there turn into people. Like I the just pollen? don't. I just don't know that there's a requirement. Like I didn't I didn't get that there's a requirement for that. That they actually things had to touch. Right, I, I, I need thought an answer everything was for that being. One. I'm going to need an answer. I think like, what a, was the thought process? I think it's ambiguous probably. They probably left it pretty ambiguous. But Yeah, I thought the same. And when they talk about the prism and it refracting. And even actually when they first enter the, the shimmer, it's almost like a snow globe, right? Like to your point, Helm, when they're walking through with the rainbows and everything, it's almost a little foggy. Like everything's sort of already connected. They give you really that sense of almost thickness in the air. Um, so I thought the same, and that was what was so weirdly and interestingly tricky about this. Same thing with the tattoos or other things, right? You know, they didn't have to touch that guy to get the tattoo type of thing. You know, how, how do they inherit these things? I will say, you know, one of my big questions in this is, why did some people unravel faster than others? And, uh, you know, why didn't we see more cross-pollination of other random things? Like, why weren't the humans getting shark teeth and stuff like right. that? Like, it seemed a little convenient to me. Yeah, they, they definitely played lightly into the whole oh, it a body dysmorphia or whatever. Where yeah. I didn't feel like they could could have gone too far. Although, honestly, the movie was playing more at a psychological level with a sort of mental breakdown, and the, the mental stresses, than it was like, you know, hostile or something where it was really about bodies deforming and becoming other things. And you're mm -hmm. worried about, like, growing a third arm or something crazy or a bear claw. You know what I mean? Right. That would have been cool, though. A different movie, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to your point, I don't know. Did you guys ever read the book Congo by Michael Crichton back in the day? Oh, it reminded me a lot of that, right? Sort of, again, just the, the tension building. Yes, the, just the the swirl into, like, the death trap. You know, they are damned if they go back. They're damned if they go forward type of thing. Let's keep going. You know, it could be the eventual undoing of us, but, you know, we don't have a choice. Right. Okay, so... Um, Anya dies, killed by the bear, um, and Ventress, the next, well, that night, I guess, she gets up and heads out. She's like, I'm, I'm done with all this. So she goes and continues on towards the um, lighthouse, leaving Lena and Josie. And Josie, I don't know, decides she's going to become one with one with the Shimmer, I guess, right? I mean, I, that, that part of it, I kind of didn't necessarily, I don't want to say fit her, her character. I don't really know much about her character. So I guess that's okay, but but did you notice that she started getting plant roots right right where the right where the, the um, plant shoots? No, what you didn't see? You gotta I, go back and watch that girlfriend. They, so like there was a couple of things that I'm seeing that I should have seen, and I don't know. I like can't. I don't have good vision. <laughs> so well, <laughs> I will say yeah, and um, I mean I've got twenty and twenty, and that screen was pretty big anyways. But that entire discussion, she is morphing. So okay. from the very first scene that she is sitting there in the grass and, um, you know, Natalie Portman comes up and walks her, you can already see that her veins are green. And then as she continues to talk, you see it on her neck. Oh. And then you see it begin to, um, when she stands up, her veins are thicker on the back of her arm. And then as she walks away, you know, it starts sprouting. And then the next scene, there are actual leaves on her arm. 
Did so you, it's more, more, more. Well, did you notice when she was still sitting and she's looking at her forearm where the tattoo is on everybody else, it's the first shoot, green shoots are right there mm. before mm-hmm. she starts yes. sprouting out of when she's walking away. Yes. Yeah. And then she disappears. I guess she just really She becomes sprouts. a flower person. Yeah. Okay. I hated that. I was like, that's so, again, you didn't deliver on, you know, turn her into like a flower creature or whatever. That's fine. That's where she's going anyways. Yeah, I thought there should have been, like, one standing very close to where Lena ends up and, like, obviously is her. Yeah. But maybe not is – maybe not can be – you can tell it's her, but it's, like, she, obviously her. She'd still have to have her clothing on. It would have to be a flower person with clothing on. That's what I was waiting for. Come on, guys. Yeah. Come on, Ex Machina. Let's get it together. Yeah, I just uh, – I don't know. I know that they had an expert <laughs> come in to have, like, the science, right? And they use science terms that are correct. <laughs> like, Sciencey terms. Yeah, I'm like, oh, science. smart. The the whole because I think she's explaining the flower people and like oh the hox genes the physicists yeah. yes yes but like that's the hox genes don't allow you to have like an entire human form it's only your anterior and posterior like axis that gets is defined by the hox gene so you can't just say this is the uh, things were falling short for me left and right. <laughs> So that bothered me. <laughs> Suddenly this movie is unraveling for Helen. Yes. Oh, no. And I, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. I think if I didn't know things that I knew, that wouldn't have bothered me. For sure. If you're stupid watchers like us, we're going, Hox genes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Macrophage. Well, science. Look, look, look <laughs> it's far, science. As far as I'm concerned, the Hox gene could have been made up. I didn't care one way or the other. Well, the, right. that's, I yeah. think, maybe what bothered me. If you called it something else, I wouldn't have been like, oh, the whatever. Po- the pox genes. Pox genes. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, that that bothered me. And mm. then the scene where she takes her blood and looks under the microscope. I don't think... I that's think right we, here. Yes. Yep. So, okay. First of all, she's carrying around this microscope. I know. I thought the same thing. Where'd you whip that out of, And sister? like, I have really old school microscopes. So maybe there's something super cool about now, new mic like the new microscopes that she's using however when you take your blood there's no way that you're isolating one single cell and blood cells don't replicate they don't have a nucleus <laughs> so that's not even like is there other cells in there that could have replicated i mean that that they don't look like that yeah it didn't well, even well, look like not, a blood they're cell. not in the shimmer so they had it, it looked like a normal cell replicated into a so you had a one normal cell. and a shimmer cell it, just like the deer. But the whole cell wouldn't change. That looks like nothing. Like you wouldn't. I, it, that fell short for me. That really bothered me. <laughs> like you would have like she just put some drops of blood and expects to only isolate one cell that then replicates. None of that's right. Yeah, that that bothered me a little bit. Just generally speaking, from to your point, that's not what that what any of that would look like under um, a microscope. But I was just like, okay, you know, it's the effect that they're going. Right. Now, I also just kind of went to to Ray's point. Like they're in the shimmer. Like weird shits happening. Like I don't know. Maybe that everything's mutated now. So now her crazy normal red blood cells has to be somewhat close to normal. Like you know, like I could see where they took normal and then made it abnormal. But like I don't. You're right. You're right. It's just that bothered me. Technically, I think it went too far. Like, they wouldn't be able to remain the same physical human forms if it had mutated that far, is probably, you know, right. what you're saying. Right, exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, I think, obviously, from the narrative of the show, they have to be able to show that somebody knows that they're being, you know, mutated. mutated. Which is why they should have gotten a third arm. Yeah, well. Or shark teeth. Well, I mean, well. The, the, <laughs> Bear claws. Well, the DNA on the, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that, the fingerprints are, you know, mutating or changing or whatever. So that's one indication. But I guess they had to have that sort of concrete, 
you know, using her scientific background, you know, look at her blood cells and, and see that it's happening. So I, I get it. It's not scientifically accurate, but, you know, it, it narratively, I'm sure they had to go that way. She's a biologist. She must biologize. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Biologists everywhere are offended, by the way. They were probably, <laughs> At least I am. Yeah, they were probably all like, nope. <laughs> Lena reaches the lighthouse and goes inside, finding an incinerated corpse, a video camera, and a hole in the floor. Footage on the camera shows Kane ranting about the shimmer's effects on him. He urges the cameraman to find Lena, then commits suicide with a white phosphorus grenade, after which his doppelganger walks into view. Lena descends into the hole on the floor and finds Ventress, who has also begun to mutate. She disintegrates into a fiery, nebulous structure that absorbs a drop of blood from Lena's face and creates a humanoid being. Lena tricks the humanoid, which has been mirroring, mirroring her movements, into burning itself alive with one of the phosphorus grenades. The blazing being sets the rest of the lighthouse ablaze, and the flames spread to engulf the various other constructs of the Shimmer, causing them to collapse and burn, and the Shimmer to dissipate into nothingness. Lena is sent back to Area X, where she is quarantined and debriefed about the Shimmer in front of a battery of observing doctors. Lena surmises that the Shimmer was not necessarily aiming to destroy Earth, but was instead making something new, although Lena is unsure what it was making. She is brought to Kane, who recovered rapidly when the Shimmer ceased to exist. She asks him if he is the real Kane, to which he replies, I don't think so. He then asks her if she is Lena, but she does not answer him. Kane's doppelganger and Lena embrace, and their irises shimmer. So I'm going to tell you guys what I thought was the most unrealistic thing in this movie. Oh, there's just one. The, the most unrealistic thing. <laughs> okay. It's the idea that that video camera could sit there for one year and the battery still works. I also Sorry. have that problem. Yes, I'm with Sorry, you. Sorry, bad. Maybe the shimmer <laughs> allows for it the mu- battery it mutated to the battery. And it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, positive charge. I, I thought so, I thought similar, and as you guys well know, my love of video cameras at this point. But I did play around a little bit with, you know, he was missing for a year. But again, there could be some kind of weird like time vortex thingy going on inside the shimmer, and we don't know how long he was being brief before they went into the shimmer. So. You know, could you say, was it six months that it was sitting there in an off state? Yeah, that's that's potential. That's true. Because she's supposedly gone for four, but really when you're watching this movie, it doesn't seem like that at all. Yeah, where she says days, maybe weeks, and they said four months. Right. Yeah, so you don't know. I'm true. Like, eh, I'll go with it. Okay, I rescind my worst thing in the movie. <laughs> okay, worst thing in the movie. Come on, Helen, you're with me. <laughs> going in the hole yes i don't understand why anyone would go in the hole <laughs> listen when there's a hole no you have to go in it no no you run away from the hole you, I, I took one look at that hole and i went nope <laughs> take that camera and be like peace out also like why don't they have flares or something i like might that? peek in the hole like, she had no. the video camera. She no. could turn the light on the video camera into the hole. No, no. Hell, no. She had the tripod. She could stick the camera on the tripod into the hole and check it out. No, you don't know some albino alligator is going to come out of there again and eat you. No, Helen. You're sticking with me. My survival instincts are high. I'm getting you out of there. I might try to, like, ask somebody else to go into the hole, you but I'm not going in the hole. a giant Q-tip and get your samples from, like, 20 feet away from the hole, <laughs> and then we're getting the hell out of there. I don't even know if I was interested in samples at that point. <laughs> like, oh just gosh. go away it was like curiosity killed the cat and then you know you hear the doctor down there and you're like 
I don't give a crap. I don't know. It's fine. She's off in her like, you know, hypnotic state doing her. That's fine. She wanted she to find this. herself. Does the book say anything about oh. that? Oh. No. No. Oh, yeah. Never um, mind. No. I will, I will, I will say one, one of the things I have for um, what are the differences between the book and the movie. The last one is utterly changes the end. So I'm going to assume that none of what you see at the end there is actually in the book. Well, that was super insightful and detailed. Yeah, there's something about a, a, sta- a, a, a spiral staircase, which doesn't exist in here. So. Well, there's a spiral staircase going up the lighthouse. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, so I have to say, uh, when the husband blew himself up with a phosphorus grenade, I did not see that coming. No. That did when surprise When he peeked around me. the camera and you're like, wait a minute. Well, then I knew that was coming. Like, as soon as he was going to blow himself up, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever this is, you know, mimicked him type of thing. And that's where I began to see, you know, the glass with the reflecting and the mirroring and that. I was like, oh, I started kind of putting, that's how I felt in that moment. I have a new worst for this movie. Oh, Couldn't boy. believe it. Oh. The southern accent that all of a sudden <laughs> Oscar Isaac throws on. Yeah. I like, was like, I'm he a, didn't have an accent the whole well, movie. Well, I'm assuming it's end? his brain breaking down and it's taking on aspects mutilation. of his other yeah. guys. Mutilation. Mutation. Oh. But, yeah, that didn't come across at all. No. I was like, did I miss that? Because he doesn't yeah. have a lot to say during the whole movie. No. And then at the end, it's like. I will say it was a Whatever weird, that was. Yeah. I mean, Shark Teeth would have been way better. Let's be honest. Yes. Like but- if he opened up his mouth and just didn't, and, like ate something really. Yeah. <laughs> or like a lizard tongue. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. That really caught me off guard. But I just went, oh, okay. That's them again showing that he's absorbing sort of the powers, you know, quote unquote, if you will, from his comrades. But the weird thing is narratively, you don't hear any of his other no, comrades. Yeah. Like it would have at least mm-hmm. if you've heard a guy with a real Southern a accent. Terrible accent. You'd have been like, whoa, okay. He absorbed the accent. Like. I don't know. He yeah. could just be faking it. Yeah, I did. I did. Totally. I totally thought I missed it the entire movie. Yeah. Weird. Now that makes no, sense. I'm not the only. one. You did not miss anything. <laughs> I think I was the only one that was like, "Yeah, all right." You know, as we piece things together in this movie, I was like, um, "But I did. I, I didn't see it coming." Right. You know, this is the accent. Then he blows himself up, and then you know the shimmers mimic, mimicking him already. Okay. My one of my worst scenes in the movie is when the doctor turns into light lava and blows up. And then becomes the alien force. What? I did not like that at so, all. So here's my here's what I think happened. I think the actual doctor is already dead. What you are seeing down there is her doppelganger, who then gives up its form to reform into this other proto alien. Well, what it's what okay, is it? That's it's a, a much. It's, it's a man Mandelbulb. Is what it actually is. It's a that a Mandelbulb is a three dimensional fractal. Constructed by Daniel White and Paul Nylander using spherical coordinates, and apparently did this in 2009. And when they made the movie, they found an app. This guy, these guys, made an app that lets you create these shapes in 3D. They just, in 3D. So they decided to use one of these shapes for this sort of alien that was producing the shimmer. So anyway, yeah, I think that it's not her at all, and she gives up her form and then reforms. Okay, that makes so much more sense i will totally buy that one also i thought the exact same thing before i even knew it was fractal based i thought that like you're looking at you're like oh this is like really fractal then you're thinking like mathematics so now you've got like math and biology going on so i I like that concept a lot but okay i mean i did not get that while i was watching the movie but yeah so it kind of really annoyed me that she you know went into this fiery state well, I didn't get the fact that when Lena's coming down and mm-hmm. you're seeing um, 
Ventress's face in the shadows. It's like she's blind. She doesn't have eyes. She doesn't have eyes. But then when she turns to talk to Lena, she's perfectly fine. And I was like, why did they decide to do that? What is that supposed to represent? I didn't understand that part. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Yeah, and I didn't know if that was like a trick of I couldn't see quite correctly what was going on. Okay. That one did happen. That was weird. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was like, I think I was starting to fall asleep. Like I said, it was a little snoozy for me. But um, I I did appreciate the fact, though, that she kind of like disappears. She's like burnt up from the bottom as she, you know, her, her, she almost becomes like, her limbs become real thin and kind of like weirdly, I don't want to say rubbery, but, you know, weird looking as they turn to light and she, you know, becomes whatever this is. Yeah, I totally didn't think that she was the doppel, like a doppelganger of herself. I thought it was mm-hmm. her, but because of their kind of intent on going into the Shimmer was why she ended up being consumed by this force. Like how Josie became the plant topiary, mm-hmm. human, human topiary. Yes. Was like her intent was not to like defeat it or to discover really what it was. I think she just wanted scientific knowledge and then really kind of gave up on life, I guess, because she kept kind of cutting herself. Whereas, you know, Lena wanted, Lena, no, wrong person, Dr. Ventress mm-hmm. wanted to, like, understand it. Know it. it be yes. It. I thought the same thing. That's that's where I was going. Was uh, Who is it? It's Josie who says, you know, she wants to know it or something, and you want to fight it. Right. So they kind of put that fine point on it. Um, so I thought the same thing, but that's why I was so irritated that she then turned into the alien, which I think didn't make any sense. I mean, I, I think the other way you could read it, of course, is that the actual black room that they're in is the alien force. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Dr. Ventures goes down in there. And to your point, Helen, her, her intent is to understand it. Mm-hmm. So it mutates her into essentially some sort of energy form that then she then gives up to become part of it yeah become part of it and then it and then that then forms the the humanoid uh that goes after that goes after lena i don't know many many different possibilities yeah all all that was like weird to me so so what did you guys think of (laughs) of the um of the humanoid and lena scene the sort of that weird the final fight scene yeah i wouldn't say it was fighting i I mean obviously lena's the real lena the real lena please stand up Mm -hmm. she was fighting because she didn't understand but the doppelganger was just mimicking. She didn't. The doppelganger didn't know any better. It was just trying to was learn from Lena. Mirroring. Yes, mirroring. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the fact that she's trying to get out of the door. She's jammed between the doppelganger and herself. And the more she's pushing, the more the doppelganger's pushing, and it's she basically passes out. Right. Which I thought was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I like the humanoid, and I like the weird, funky, translucent, uh, shimmery type of effect on on the humanoid, too. I thought that was cool. Um, other than the humanoid having, like, a super flat butt, which I thought was awesome. Did, did you did you see the pro, the proto sort of... <laughs> I was like, wait, she ain't got no booty. So it was not a clear mimic of Natalie. Well, right. well, it was supposed to be androgynous to some extent when it was in its proto form. Sure, sure. I think. Even though it had already taken in Lena's blood, so... Well, know, and also yeah. I thought I detected some proto-genitalia, but that's okay. Yeah, I thought the same. It, it, I, I didn't notice a... the proto-genitalia. Like, Sorry. Like female, but I mean, then I'm, it had I'm, no boobs. And yeah. I'm like, well, Natalie Portman is crazy skinny in this movie, so maybe she doesn't have a lot of, you know, boobage going on. But, you know, she's got a <laughs> booty. So I was like, so, well... So I, I have some facts about <laughs> about the, um, the humanoid. So, Sonoya... Mizuno, sorry, the actress who played the humanoid. She's a professional ballet dancer. She also plays Katie, the med student that 
follows her down the stairs at the beginning and is talking to her. So the oh. woman who plays that character is also the humanoid. Interesting. Yeah. Didn't know that. Now you know. Thank and, you. and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe sure taught me. is. <laughs> All right. So she lights her up with a phosphorus grenade. And I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like, screw you. I'm just going to blow you up. Oof. I didn't understand why the doppelganger accepted it. Yeah. Like, I felt like She's as been... a mimicker, she should hand it back. Right. Right. That suddenly, blew my mind. Some, suddenly Literally. the mirroring <laughs> breaks. Sorry. Well, 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 she's forming into Natalie Portman at this point, right? She's only she's, because she hands her, yeah, and she's touching her. But, but, right. Well, I mean, one assumes that once you're fully formed, you're not really need to mirror in the same way. I mean, I assume she was almost all the way formed. She wasn't now mirroring in a direct fashion, and she got, she got burned up. Now, uh, what I'm interested in is the phosphorus grenade goes off. It doesn't look like she's actually burning up in the same way but her arms are on fire Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if she's mimicking the phosphorus fire somehow and it's the way it spreads is by this sort of mirroring effect so she she touches the walls and then they start to burn and maybe they're burning more because they're mirroring the fire i guess what I thought it was just traveling along the little dendrites. No, and and, they, and it was. I think as well. I didn't think well. of it mirroring, mirroring, but I see what you're saying. Like it's trying to. It's saying, "Hey, I'm on fire." I you should like, and then that person sees that person on fire. <laughs> They're like, "I'm gonna be on fire." Now <laughs> yeah. my face is like, I don't understand oh, yeah, yeah, really. what you were talking about. That. No, because <laughs> the fire way, spreads. No, the, but the confused. way that it's burning isn't. It just kind of it traveled like weird. Yeah, not all, like. It, it was like along the dendrites, so I could see like the partner dendrite would look at the primary dendrite and say, "Hey, you're on fire. I'm going to mimic this." Well, well also the humanoid, more flammable. but the humanoid itself <laughs> wasn't burning per se. But the humanoid yeah, yeah. itself was not burning all the way. It was yeah. burning. Its arms were burning. It took a little right. while. It took a long time, to and, it, and it kind of like. But maybe it's I not think carbon it, based. Well, that's fine, but I kind of felt like it was sort of infecting the rest of it with this fire. I right. guess. Yeah, no, I can. Uh, that's that. my interpretation. Yeah, I definitely thought the same. You know, there's a clear that the fire isn't burning this humanoid like it would a normal human being, for sure, to your point. It's kind of, you know, a slow burn, if you will. Yeah, and then I thought the concept was uh, cool. I mean, maybe a little overdone, but I generally like the idea where, okay, you know, now that the central point of, you know, the alien form or whatever this entity is, is now burning. The lighthouse is burning down. Now all the trees are catching on fire. Sort of the whole thing comes crumbling down. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And certainly fast forwards you to the ending very quickly, which you're kind of like, all right, yeah, let's wrap it up. So that that was good. Um, Right then we sort of get to Natalie Portman at the end where she wraps up her story, which I thought was really great. And part of me was just kind of like, are they really going to let this chick out of here? They're not going to do like more of a physical exam, you know, more of a psychological exam. They let her, you know, and then her last question is, what have you done with my husband? I thought that was so weird, right? Because you're like, you just saw your husband blow up. Why are you asking about your husband? Right? Were you guys like weirded out by that? Were you like, is that the alien speaking or what's happening? No, I just figured she, I mean, she understands that it's not her husband. She, She knows they don't know it's not her husband. So she was just using the term that makes the most sense when she's referencing him. I thought that was a weird and very fast switch of going through this whole story, then all the way back to just like, you know, where's my husband? I want to see him. But I liked how at the end, you know, she really had that moment where with him where she recognized that he's a clone, you know, that he's not Kane. 
And in the wiki, I thought it was interesting that they called out that he says, you know, are you Lena? And she doesn't answer. I didn't pick up on that as a, you know, subtlety of declining to answer. You know, sometimes you just give that knowing nod and they embraced. So it was implied that, yes, you know, they had found one another. Um, but what I liked, as we were saying before, this movie gives you a lot to think about, was what was the point of all that? What was this alien force or this entity trying to do? That was like the question, right, throughout the whole thing. Like, what's its motive? Um, and she says, and they repeat it in the trailer, you know, it's, it's not uh, destroying, it's creating something new. So now are we going to have a lot of like glimmer, shimmery, little like Lena Poe Dameron babies running around? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought it was still somewhat ambiguous as to whether she was Lena. I mean, I don't think she was a clone in the same way he was a clone. I think that she was affected by the shimmer. You know, she had been mutating herself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. Um, I did like the look that Natalie Portman gave when he asked the question. And she was kind of like, I don't know. You know, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not me type of idea. Um, but the one thing that didn't make sense to me about this part is... I don't understand why when the shimmer goes away, he all of a sudden gets better. It doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, it makes sense narratively that they wouldn't do that. But, like, why would he have been sick being outside of the right. shimmer? Distance I mean, it makes sense it. to me that he would be sick outside because he's not in the shimmer. But now that the shimmer goes away, he's okay. Right. You're totally uh, right. So I was kind of, like, wondering. So we don't know for sure if she's fully doppelganger or if she's really Lena just compromised with these genetic mutations. But because we're seeing it the entire movie from her point of view, was any of that real? Or was it compromised? Yeah, who knows? I mean, if she was the doppelganger and she's telling the story, maybe right. it was all you're fake. getting the doppelganger's point. At she the didn't point bring of, any evidence back. Yeah, at the she point left it was the backpack yeah. right on the beach. You're right. Yeah, That's know. what I was going to say. Where are the samples? <laughs> yes. Why didn't you bring the video camera back? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, then you don't know how she got to where she is, right? If she's knocked out, if she's unconscious, if they had recessed I mean, we don't know what happened between them. Yeah, and my assumption is that when the crystal trees or glass trees or whatever all burn up, like, I, I got the impression that, like, everything that had been mutated didn't burn up. It's not like the the other, you know, alligator sharks out there burned up. I just assumed that all the mutating stopped. And those things that are currently mutated are still mutated and growing and doing their own thing. Otherwise, like, you would think the entire land would be wasteland at that point. Right. I agree with that. Mm, I don't know. Maybe the bear spontaneously combusted as well. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) All right. Well, before we get to the ratings, I just want to go through real quick the list of changes from the book to the movie. Just so we have it there. So the first one I have is it gives the main characters names because they didn't have names in the book. It alters the main character's ethnicity because she was kind of quasi, at least partially Asian. Area X is the name, not Shimmer. And the only time you really see Area X in um, the movie is the sort of title card, that one scene. They change the meaning of the title. So in the book, uh, Annihilation is a code word that some of the characters are programmed with so they commit suicide. That is so much better because we didn't talk about it, but I hated the title. And the fact that they use it one time very randomly in the movie, I was like, this is stupid. And that wasn't the point right. of, you know, the being and the mutation and, I, you know, the annihilation, the end of the world type of thing. And I got like the play on the word like, oh, you're reinventing the world versus, you know, annihilating. But 
yeah, I, I hated that. So I'm glad that in the book it had a little bit more depth. So the book had a lot more about Southern Reach, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, they changed the characters' fates, pretty much all the characters' fates, and they utterly changed the end. So I don't know that if you read the book, you're going to get um, anywhere near the same experience as the movie. It sounds like it's a, kind of a different genre. Much much more kind of sci-fi, traditional sci-fi, than the sort of sci-fi horror that you get in the movie. All right, well, I think that about wraps it up. Now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. First, technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. A second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And finally, three, enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? Let's talk about technical composition first. Helen, what was your score? I gave it a seven. I had a lot of issues with the science part, but I realized that generally speaking, you probably wouldn't look at it that way. Um, I really enjoyed the overarching theme and how they tied things in with like the theme of cancer. You know, she starts off with discussing it in the lecture. She's reading um, this book called Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which has cervical cancer cells, which was what she was talking about in her lecture. So it was all kind of like tied in together. And and by the way, that is a real book and is very good. The mutations in this shimmer compared to cancer. Ventress has cancer. So I thought that like there was a lot of this like kind of terrifying theme throughout that I thought was really good. I thought the acting was relatively good. The storyline with the the relationships of the actors I thought were kind of lacking. But other like overall, I would say it was a good movie and I gave it a seven. Okay, yeah. So weirdly enough, I also gave it a seven. Um, I thought many aspects of this were really well executed. Again, the effects, especially when you actually watch the documentary, you have so much more respect for how they executed some of those pieces. But um, the CGI was well done. The practical effects were well done, you know, costuming and that that type of thing. Um, you know, overall, like we said, I had, I had issues with the pacing. There were a couple of plot I wouldn't say holes, but, you know, sort of things that rubbed me the wrong way or whether it was even the scientific speak. So can't give it, you know, an overwhelmingly perfect score. But, yeah, all in all, pretty good. I also gave it a seven. Ooh. Um, I can't really add anything to uh, what you ladies have said. So uh, seven it is. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's take a look at the impact scores. And you want to give us your impact? Okay. So I knocked it up a little bit for impact. I actually gave impact an eight. Um, you know, it didn't totally make me question my reality, but this is one of the first movies that we watched where I actually was thinking about this, not only hours later, but even the next morning where I was kind of thinking like, you know, the meta and the symbolism, like we talked about, whether it was the cancer cells or the mirroring or the water, the, you know, the fractals and just all that piece. It had me kind of pondering a little bit further about what all was going on in this movie. So yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Okay, I actually rated it a six. I knocked it down slightly from my previous uh, score. The bear alone is like four or five points for me. I mean, the bear scene was absolutely fantastic from a, from a terror, sort of scary point of view. You know, there was, I think it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish, but the slow burn and the sort of uh, claustrophobic way that it handled some of the relationships... I, I feel like it didn't do justice to some of that. And and also even the the changing and morphing of the DNA, um, like we mentioned earlier, it, 
it's not like they started sprouting bear claws and stuff. So I felt like they could have went heavier into that to kind of get more of that, that sort of scariness or terror of that. But anyway, I thought it was good impact. Six. I gave it a seven. I thought that the amount of questions that I had walking away from it weren't necessarily so much that the movie was lacking, but more of I'm questioning it on a deeper level. And I thought this was one of the few horror films that we have watched so far that has really led me to start questioning things on a deeper level. And I really enjoyed that. So I gave that a seven. Excellent. Okay. And finally, enjoyment. Anne. So enjoyment, I actually gave it another seven. And I really kind of debated about this. You know, I started a little bit lower, then I kind of went a little bit higher. And where I landed at this seven was because exactly for the reasons that we're talking about, I heard somebody describe this movie as really trippy. And I I would totally echo those sentiments. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, you know, as like, you've got to see this horror film. But I would recommend it if you were looking for something really different and offbeat. I would say it was interesting enough on almost more academic and psychological level. If you're just looking for horror and guts and slasher, you know, this is definitely not your film. Um, I wouldn't regularly rewatch this movie, but I would potentially go back and revisit it at some point to see if I could see more things or, or answer more questions. Okay, Helen. I gave it a seven. I agree with Anne where I would go back and watch it not on a regular basis, but I would like to see if any rewatchings would answer some of the questions that I do have or make me look at what the questions that I had and the answers that I think that I have with those questions would change with a second watching of it or a third. Uh, I enjoyed it and I wouldn't say it's a horrible movie and would recommend it to friends, but <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the best movie I've seen either. Okay. And I rated this movie an eight for enjoyment. So when I first went into watching this movie, I was ambivalent towards it. Um, like I said, uh, it's science fiction and horror, but in reality, what it really is and what it should be called is cosmic horror. It, this movie is almost exactly a modern adaptation of a short story by H.P. Lovecraft, uh, The Color Out of Space. I just want to read the description from the wiki of his story, and you'll see what I mean. So The Color Out of Space is a science fiction horror short story by American author H.P. Lovecraft written in March 1927. In the tale, an unnamed narrator pieces together the story of an area known by the locals as the Blasted Heath in the wild hills west of Arkham, Massachusetts. The narrator discovers that many years ago, a meteorite crashed there, poisoning every living being nearby. Vegetation grew large but foul-tasting, animals driven mad and deformed into grotesque shapes, and the people go insane or die one by one. I mean, that's almost exactly what this movie is, even to the point of it. I mean, the idea of it is the meteorite's there, and it has this color that's so hard to describe. And the shimmer is almost that exact thing. So as soon as I saw the meteorite land and I saw this crazy color, I was like, this is H.P. Lovecraft. And so – and I like H.P. Lovecraft stories. So anyway, my enjoyment level was higher than I really ever anticipated it being in this movie. So an eight. All right. Well, with that, uh, let me review the scale real quick. So our scale goes from one to ten, uh, one to three being poor, uh, four to six being average – Seven to nine being good and ten being super awesome, excellent. So, Anne, can you give us our individual scores and score for the movie? Sure, you guys are really easy. You both averaged out to a flat seven. So, seven, seven, and then I bumped up my impact a little bit. So, I actually wound up 
at a 7.3, which means that the overall ranking for this movie is a 7.11. Wow. Yeah. Well, that does not actually put it at the top of the hill, but it does put it in second place so far uh, after Annabelle. That's shocking. Yeah, I mean, it, we are such nerds. Well, the fact that it's above <laughs> Exorcist is is kind of tough, but that's really kind of unbelievable. I mean, I think that again, you have to take this with we're talking about the insights and the psychology of this movie, which were really interesting. Again, you know, a lot of the physical, you do get the attack scenes and you get the intestines and you get some stuff there, but it's not like a shock and awe kind of horror. All right. Well, I tell you what, this movie did not do very well in the box office. So um, at least we liked it here. And, uh, you know, Natalie Portman, if you happen to listen to this, we'll do an interview. No problem. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) All right. So if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes. And please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or to suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hosts.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. And on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time. 